Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. That, of course, is Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where this signal emanates. We're going to spend a couple hours on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, and national news and politics. We'll talk about cycling, we'll talk about recreation, urban planning, and more. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today, as always, and thankfully in that role because, you know, I can't do this myself. Thanks for spending some time with us on your radio at Information 1000 KSO, streamed live at KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app where I know a lot of you folks listen because you tell me you do, which is good. I appreciate that. And remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live, which is up and running right now at the KSOO page. you got to follow KSO anyway on the Facebooks. And our Twitter account, of course, hook right up on that bad boy, P. Lally Show, at P. Lally Show, P-L-A-L-L-E-Y-S-H-O-W Show. So uh, we didn't have a show yesterday because the, the twins, twins were at the White Sox and that game started at 1 and then it didn't get over till like, 4.30, and then the post-game show, and blah, yada, yada, yada. And Kyle Gibson couldn't throw it over the plate yesterday. That's mainly why the game went so long. Yeah, you know, the the rules that Major League Baseball has instituted to try and shorten up the game seem to be working, Dan. I haven't seen any statistics on this. I haven't seen any research on it, but I suspect it's out there. It seems like the games go a little quick, especially those day games. Bam, 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 bam. But when you can't, we start walking, guys. It's going to be a long day. Well, yeah, and you get he, and Gibson got O two on a whole lot of hitters. Yeah, but then foul off, foul, foul, Man. foul, 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 ball, foul, 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 ball, and then <laughs> and you know he's you know, he's throwing eighty pitches by the end of the third inning, and that's not yeah. good. No, it's not good. And so they lost seven to three, and you know they were dangerously close to getting uh, four games under five hundred for the first time in a long time. They could end up being a, fa- a five hundred ball club by the end of the season, don't you think? Oh, I my prospects are not that high for the Twins this season. I mean, but they're not going to make the playoffs. They traded away a whole lot of players at the deadline. I know, I know, but they could, you know, they could scrap up to 500. That would be that would be salvaging something. I know. And they didn't even win on the manager's birthday yesterday. That's oh, well, the most egregious error. That hurts. Yuck. <laughs> uh so it's been a while since we had a show since Tuesday. Uh, we had public input down at Club David on Tuesday and uh, had a real nice time. Uh, folks uh, came down and, and we sat around and chatted about city politics, uh, played a little uh, city council bingo, which is always fun. And, uh, you know, the drink special had the Pat Star drink special. And we'll talk about Pat Star here in a minute. I didn't even think about that. We had the Pat Star drink special on Pat Star week. But that's okay. And uh, that was good. Uh Here's the thing, though. Here's what I here's what I decided during this because they they decided this whole historic home thing, uh, those three boarded up houses on Dakota between 18th and 19th, and then one on 19th, and then one facing 19th Street. So four houses total. Uh, and but, you know, people make good points about this. Okay, um, so a developer buys them, boards them up. Of course, they're going to go to hell. You know what I mean? And they have, and maybe they should be torn down. They probably should be torn down. Uh, and we talked about that on the show uh, earlier this week. But during this, during the debate on this, uh, the, these people from the Historic Preservation Board came back in again. Okay, these are the afore, uh, previously unheard of until the big McKinnon House debacle when their, their opinions seemed to reign supreme. And uh, the chair of this group got up there. This It's a... It's a you know, city board, appointed citizen board. But I didn't know, when did they get so much power? And, you know, I, frankly, the arguments, I have a degree in history, all right? I love Sioux Falls history. I'm from here. I, I, but these are not, these are not like, there's not a lot of, 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 of real historic value in them, in my mind. There doesn't seem to be any architectural uh, sophistic- not sophistication, but just uniqueness at all. They're just houses, you know. And my problem continues to be, it, it, and it's really the threat of what's going to go there more than anything. 
that I think people are concerned about. I don't think anybody would be fighting for these particular houses if it was a different kind of project going in there. And we don't officially know, but the lawyer, Sam Assam, for the developer, Justin Johnson, whom I don't know, uh, says, you know, they, they released some drawings of basically a uh, Walgreens or CVS-looking kind of thing that takes up the whole block. And eh, I can see where people wouldn't want that. So it was eight to nothing, or seven to nothing, because... No, actually six to nothing. Six to nothing, because... Uh, that's right, because Christine Erickson re- recused herself, and Greg Neitzer wasn't there. So a six to nothing. Unanimous vote to stop the demolition. But it'll be back... Because you can't, you know, I don't think they're rehabable, all right? Maybe there's some cool stuff in there. I haven't been through the houses. What do I know? But they're boarded up. They look like crap. Uh, maybe there's some good stuff in there that could be salvaged. But I think the city is well within its rights, and the neighbors are well within their rights to come before the uh, planning commission, and then which doesn't ever, you know, planning commission, whatever. So, But the, the folks there are well within their rights to want to shape what goes in there, and we have to consider that. And I don't think a, a block of parking lot is necessarily a good thing. And so that's a good discussion. Whether or not this developer is going to get the term, there's, I don't think that ultimately they'll be able to stand in the way of that. Well, here's the other unfortunate aspect of it, and, and you can certainly discount this if you may, but here's another instance where the possibility of someone who has invested hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for certain, if not over a million dollars, mm-hmm. And the historic preservation, or I'm, and I've, if I'm butchering the name of the board, please, right. please apologize. I apologize in advance. But this board has now given the with the Sapienzas at McKinnon Park, mm-hmm. they've blown a million dollars and more because mm-hmm. of because of and the, the Sapienzas things. even came back with a, a different plan to ch- chop eight feet off the top of their house, and the board went mm, no. Yeah, and now Mr. Johnson also has you know, yep. significant investment in yep. this. But, of course, there might have been some due diligence that wasn't done on I his part. I think the lawyer, admit, Sam Assam, admitted there were some things that he didn't know. <laughs> and that's, his, that's on him. So there's a cost on them for their, uh, for their negligence. But I agree. I, I don't know why the, the board, this board has so much power. And I say disband it. I mean, uh, because... I don't understand where they get their authority, and I don't understand by whose standards they make a decision, right? So what is historically uh, uh, accurate or uh, uh, not even, what am I, uh, the, you know, similar to what, with the, uh, with the case of the McKinnon house, who, why is that house not in line with the rest of the, of the, the park? Because there's a hodgepodge of crap around there. A lot of houses over there that are beautiful, but they aren't necessarily adhering to any sort of standard. So it becomes completely subjective. And who are these people and what are their qualifications to make these decisions? The woman, I can't remember her name and I apologize to her. You know, I'm sure she's well-meaning, but who is she? Maybe we need Bruce Danielson to start taping these meetings, too. Oh, I'm sure you will. If you make the suggestion, Bruce will be there. There is a, there is a square on the uh, city council bingo, uh, by the way, that uh, Bruce appears uh, three or more times before the council in any one meeting. There's one for Bruce speaks, and then there's one for Bruce three or more times. So if Bruce had a big night and you got both on your card, you're, you're well on your way. Well on your way. So uh, anyway, I... That's what that's what I was struck by at that watching that meeting the other night during uh, public input at Club David, and uh, you know we had a, we had a vigorous discussion about this amongst the attendees, and it was a we had a lovely time. So I, I there's a city council joint city county meeting next week, and I think we're gonna we're gonna do it because why not? Uh, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Have to revise your cards for that one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Briggs Warren does our cards. Briggs was the guy who ran for city council when he was about 18. Now he's a college student. Uh, he, he puts together the cards, so thanks to Briggs for that. But, yeah, good times down at Club David, and uh, we'll be there again. Uh, also, a uh, British reporter in town uh, hooked up with me, got a hold of me on Tuesday night. He's working on a couple stories, uh, TV guy. Uh, 
very interesting cat. So well, if, if, if that turn, he's doing some stuff on uh, Maria Budina, the Red Sparrow. And, uh, and then he was looking for some people. This is interesting. So this reporter, he asked me, where could I go to find, and this is Tuesday night, right? Where could I go to find people who are Trump supporters who would talk about this Cohen thing, right? And I say, well, just, I mean, come downtown. There's people everywhere. Just walk around, right? You, you can't swing a, 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 you can't swing a dead attorney general around here without hitting a Trump supporter. And uh, so he goes down, he works it for, gets one dude, one dude. And he said that it was just everywhere he went, it was just a bunch of Democrats or people who were basically against Trump, which I found shocking. In downtown Sioux Falls, I'm not. I Come on. It's not like the place is over, overrun with the liberals. You said it. I didn't. I don't. Th- <laughs> bunch, of hoity, <laughs> bunch of hoity-toity country club liberals hanging out downtown sipping Chardonnay. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, you said that. it. I didn't. <laughs> uh, anyway, good times at... Uh, at uh, Club David, and we'll uh, hope to see you down there next week. We have a great show for you today. Speaking of city politics, City Councilor Pat Starr is on the show. Uh, we'll see what he thinks about the. Uh, it was a, it was a shot at Jack and a PBR for six bucks was the special for the Pat the Pat Starr special. Uh, the smart cyclist is uh, here for weird friends, and I'll have a PNL statement just after the next break if there's any time left. Today's topic: uh, dirty water, dirty water. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Twenty-three on the Patrick Lally Show on Information One Thousand KSOO, and it is time for the PNL statement, where we look through the news and find the things that anger us, excite us, uh, give us quite you know, give us joy, that sort of thing. The whole the whole news gambit. Uh, and the thing I want to talk about today is from South Dakota News Watch, South Dakota News Watch, which of course is the project of a. a, a a whole gaggle of my former bosses, actually. Uh, It's a nonprofit that is, uh, uh, has as its mission, um, investigative reporting. And uh, they have uh, been doing a lot of work lately. And you can find them on Facebook and uh, online and all that. Uh, Also, they publish in uh, various, uh, the state's uh, newspapers and uh, other electronic media, including right here on KSOO. We run their stuff. But they had a st- story today. Actually, I think it was yesterday. Um, when was this? Yeah, yesterday, 22nd, last night. State response to Smithfield ammonia li- release criticized. And th- this story, uh, water quality advocates say the state of South Dakota acted prematurely in reporting last week that human health was not at risk from high ammonia releases at the Smithfield Foods plant in Sioux Falls. The Department of Environment and Natural Resources filed limited public notice before the Violations stopped and before the ammonia releases had reached their peak. And so what this story goes on, and this is uh, follows up on a bigger project about water quality around the state, which uh, I had a few issues with, but in large measure is very interesting and true. And, and here's what this story today hinges on. So there was this ammonia release because of a, uh, of some sort of failure in the water wastewater treatment at the uh, at the Smithfield plant, aka Morels, here in Sioux Falls, and it happens from time to time, and it's not good because you can't be pumping ammonia into the water because it kills the fish, and it's potentially bad for human beings, but it's really bad for fish. At any rate, so there was this uh, release, right? That began on uh, Wednesday, August fifteen, and continued through August twenty. And the, uh, it's, the, the deal is that the highest ammonia part of that came on August 18th when 2,199 pounds of ammonia released. Okay. 
And, you know, the, the de- plant's permit allows for 102. So it's way over because they had a malfunction, which is bad. They had a failure. Um, and then, so, but the DENR, the state of South Dakota, releases a press release on Friday, August 17. So this started, again, on the 15th. It went through Monday, the 20th. The DENR released a statement on the 17th, noting that Smithfield had an upset quoted upset in its system and that ammonia violations had taken place. The release went on to say that, quote, levels could pose threats to fish life, but no risks to human health. Which is fine, but the release, or the, uh, yes, the, 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 the discharge of the ammonia got worse the next day. So, it, you know, what, ta- what takes, the, what will it take for the uh, DENR to actually uh, suggest that something is maybe not so good? And uh, Dana Lesky, Lesecki, I get his name wrong every Lesky. time. Lesky. Lesky. There you go. I had it right the first time. David Les- Dana Lesky, is, who's with the Friends of the Big Sioux River, who's been on this program a couple of times, he's quoted here that says, that's an inadequate response from the DENR because they didn't have the data to make the statement one way or the other and should have erred on the side of human health. The amount of ammonia that was released and what they were allowed to continue to release that amount was obscene. Here's my point. In the broad scope of things, I mean, clearly the DENR continually de-emphasizes industrial waste discharges, okay? And that's true. There's just no way around that. But here's the thing. I don't think our DENR takes water quality seriously anyway. The fact is, the reason they are not that hard on industry is because they don't want anybody pointing the finger at agriculture. And that is a problem. Yeah, you should clamp down on industry when they screw up. You really should. And they have clamped down on morels in the past. And they should again. And the city of Sioux Falls, when we had a uh, catastrophic sewer emergency and we dumped a bunch of effluent into the big Sioux, we paid the price. Those things should be done. And the city of Sioux Falls needs to uh, spend this $260 million to make sure that we are not uh, expelling effluent into the river and we should have the highest standards but where are the standards for agriculture where is the 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 vision the uh, force the wherewithal to clean up the rivers The state of South Dakota is negligent in this respect. And the DENR is the point of the spear. This is just another example of them not taking water quality seriously. We continue to think of rivers as disposals. And they are not. And if Morell's screwed up, they screwed up. Don't de-emphasize it. Don't say it's no big deal. Tell us the truth. That's the bottom line on today's PL. Agree or disagree with me, you can send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. You can uh, get on our Twitter feed at P Lally Show and chat there as well. We'll get that story up for you on the on our Twitter feed so you can see the Latest from South Dakota Newswatch, and I thank them for that story. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's going to be the smart cyclist and weird friends. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 3.38 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO, and we welcome into the studio for weird friends as we do most Thursdays. That's why I love Thursday so much. The smart cyclist, Michael Christensen. Smart, Mr. Christensen. Hello. 
Try that again. Hello. <laughs> I just rode in. On your crippled horse. On my bicycle. It's a beautiful fall day out there today. <laughs> it is. Uh, and, and Gusty. And Gusty. I uh, actually saw uh, your roommate, your young roommate earlier yes, today. Yes, we were talking about him last week. Yeah. and he Also uh, my son. Yeah. He was complaining about the wind. Oh, did he? Because he has a... We have the new spur, yes. You know, which is a great corridor for you West Siders now. And he came down that, and that southeast wind is just howling, howling through the corridor. I feel good about my trip home. Yeah, I got tailwind, but yes. Yes. Well, so will he. coming here and and coming to work, it was a little tougher than usual. You made I, it, and I had the wrong tool. One gear. Oh, you're roll, today. rolling singly? Yep. So I was down in the uh, low teens for speed <laughs> and, and the low teens for cadence. Aye, 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 aye. I'll get there. That's okay. That's good training for yeah, you. Yeah, it is. And yeah, my uh, my racing bike is in the shop getting ready Your for the season. Your cyclocross bike? Yep. Awesome. We uh, yep. added a cyclocross bike to our household, you know. Yes, I do. It's a beautiful machine. Hoping to see that out there. Uh, yeah, actually, it's soon. It's going to be fun. Cool. Uh, the, 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 the kits for the new team came in today. I've heard that. Yeah. Five, uh, five, four racing. That's a different thing. Parallel 44 racing and, uh, our new team, uh, and, uh, looking forward to the, to the season. Yeah. I'm uh, not looking forward to finding out if some of those things fit. You know, just was, say you're <laughs> racing into shape. You can still say that in September. Nothing by like, no, by November. Like a, no. <laughs> But in September, you can say, I'm uh, racing myself into shape. Nothing like a skin suit to highlight all your personal <laughs> flaws. Um, that notwithstanding, you know, I was thinking about you the other day because one of the things that you and I spend a lot of talk- talking about, not just on air, but mm-hmm. in our personal interactions, is city planning, you know, urban planning and how you best make a city that is walkable, that is that, that transportation is feasible and accessible and, and all these things, right? Yes, and I was talking earlier in the show about the decision by the city council to not tear down four homes in the 18th, 19th area, Dakota, Minnesota there. And I said earlier this week that I'm not so concerned about those houses. I don't see real value in them, but I'm more concerned about what they put there, which remind me of a, of a point that Chuck Marone made from Strong Towns in which you were involved in that panel discussion, I believe, about... Yeah. When you replace a bunch of smaller properties with one bigger property, what that does to your tax base and what it does to your city in general. Right. So that's that proposal was to wipe out a whole block of of taxpayers. Mm-hmm. How many taxpayers do you suppose? Six, eight Something individual like businesses and homes? Yeah. And to put down one single entity, one single big box, small box, medium yeah. box. Medium box. And a whole bunch of asphalt. And yeah. Did somebody should have made, uh, I, I think they made the right decision, but did somebody make the argument that look at the tax base here that will turn into one single entity and, and, and what's the difference? How much are we losing a year from tax base for that? And that's something that I don't think we have considered before. And I had never considered until uh, Mr. Marone brought it up mm-hmm. is that there are times when rehabbing old structures is better for your tax base than tearing down a building new. Right. Which is counterintuitive. Well, um, I th- I th- is it counterintuitive? Well, it, it kind of is. It's more can... like, it's more against the grain, right? We're so yeah. used to seeing these brand new, boom, we got, we pulled this, we pulled this Walgreens off the shelf and we put it here and, and we got all this asphalt and now we can park a hundred cars and, and have this one single entity. Um, that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you can, if you can turn the homes into, well, if the homes have to go because they're not livable, mm-hmm. well, turn it into residences and, and get taxes from, from those. Turn it into something new and smaller, something more affordable, get get tax revenue from those. Yeah, and it doesn't and, – and my point was it doesn't have to be – I'm not saying build a tenement, not low-income housing, uh, which is great if you can build it, but build housing, residences, because ultimately in the long term, that's better for the core of the city. Now, yeah. you can't – force people to do stuff with land that they don't want to do. And I understand that. Right. But you don't have to let them do whatever they want to do either. Right. And how does it fit into our overall plan? Mm -hmm. 
do you think that the city of Sioux Falls has that kind of attitude that will allow us to get to a point where we're making smart decisions? <laughs> um, I think there's plenty of evolution to come in that, which is to say, no, I don't. Um, you don't see, I, I, I wish I would have listened to the debate last night. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't imagine there's very many people saying, let's, let's think about it from the perspective that we're describing here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more, some of it's NIMBY, mm-hmm. which, you know, when, the, when this decision, when the, where the decision is favorable to me, I'm happy that there's NIMBY saying that. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but, but yeah, let's, I, I don't imagine that there's much, uh, progressive livable community brought into that kind of discussion. And the fact of the matter is, and I've said this before, is there's a lot of rehab and gentrification going on in that area and every, you know, all the things that are bad about gentrification, but people are buying those houses, they are rehabbing and they're, and they look great. Yeah. And so the fact that these four particular properties were never desirable enough to rehab makes me wonder about their long-term historic value. I don't think that's us something. Mm-hmm. But what can we do? It has to be profitable. But um, the group of doctors down at 22nd and Spring, they did the same thing. They tore down an old office building they owned. They could have they built more office building or more, and they made housing. Yep. They built townhomes. Right. High-end townhomes. Right. And, and yeah, I, th- I think that's a lot of what we need along Minnesota Avenue, that corridor keep homes there, keep residents there. That's a beautiful neighborhood there around All Saints, mm-hmm. uh, touch mark. Um, and, and to turn that, to make that, that much space asphalt in that place doesn't feel attractive. Um, I do know, so I go back to Shape Sioux Falls. That was seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. That was a planning document where they put big circles at big intersections it says development here, let's preserve our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, and 18th in Minnesota was not one of those big circles where we were saying, let's, let's put our big boxes here in this area. It seems because, incong- a bit incongruous, even though there is a Walgreens four blocks away. Or, right. And that's no, part, it's eight blocks away. And that's part of the deal. There is yeah. a Walgreens there. Right? Yeah. Um, we're going to come right back and talk more with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen, uh, about ah, you know urban, urban development. That's because we're just jazzed on urban development today. That's okay, right? Yeah. Should we go downtown next? Yeah, we'll go downtown next. Okay. Uh, coming. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Three fifty on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And uh, we are chatting with the smart cyclist, Michael Christensen on Weird Friends. And uh, 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 we got to talk about this baseball stadium, right? Because so the prospects of a baseball stadium has been coming back up for reasons people don't really, I don't really understand, but they're back. Yes or no on the baseball stadium downtown? Let's, let's build it. Field of dreams. You, uh, you're there. The common man is there. Uh, I think the boon man's in. I have to talk to Hudson. Hudson's probably against it. But oh. we might, and, and the Buffalo Maiden, no, she, she'd probably go for that. So I think we might have like a, a weird friends clean sweep on this one. Okay. So why do you think there should be a bad? Because I can I'll, see why it would be cool, but I can also see oh, we're, we're stretched a little thin, baby. Come on now. Yeah, it's, it's so yeah, the, the fear is do enough people go watch baseball um, and will additional people go watch baseball because it's downtown, right? Yeah. But why I like it. Um, I bring in the 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 uh, premier center, and I say, "Remember when we wanted that downtown, and now it's out there." Mm-hmm. And, and they they have things occasionally, um, events there. People show up occasionally to go to events there. Um, but what we're getting downtown is the Levitt Bandshell, right? And mm-hmm. that's going to be fifty shows, ninety day, ninety days uh, out of the summer, right? Mm-hmm. So every, almost every day, there's going to be a ton of people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and baseball is that kind of schedule too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, to attract to attract people downtown day after day after day, it's going to contribute to that whole downtown scene and and people and 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 people living there and playing down there. Um, I, I want that. Do you like it where uh, Tom Herbert, uh, architect uh, extraordinaire, uh, oil can on the, <laughs> aka the oil can on the uh, rock garden tour? Um, do you? think that plan that he forwarded is that spot 
north of kind of in that West Falls Park area is a good one. Yes. Okay. It's cool how he's had it wedged in there. Yeah. I don't know how you get that in there. I don't, I still don't really understand. I mean, I, I look at it, but I don't know how you, <laughs> I don't know how it works, but you know, he's an architect. He and knows it, how to measure. So, <laughs> and he probably did it twice. He probably did it twice. Measure twice, cut once. Yeah. And that whole area there then is, is beautiful and, and walk from one to the other and through the falls and it's, there's morels is still there, but we're used to that. All right. Right. It, and, I think it would be really cool. I think it would be really awesome. They have to design it in such a way that, that you can use it in the winter, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow. And yeah. and I think, as Tom said, there has to be a new way of thinking about the financing. It can't just be the public's going to buy the pay for this and then yeah. it's all good. Yeah. I'm with that, too. Because, you know, there are people who will benefit and they need to pony up. Mm-hmm. We're in complete agreement on that. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I think we're a long ways from Are we here. voting yet? No, we're not voting yet. I think we're a long ways from voting. We have to vote on schools next. Yeah, that's a $190 million bond. Yeah. So that our kids can be smart. Well, I mean, they need a place to go to school. There's 2,300 kids in Roosevelt this year. I, and you've got one of I them. I rode bikes with mine this morning to get there. How did it look over there? There was a bike. No. I didn't actually go all the way to the bike to the bike rack. <laughs> I got close enough to like, yeah, go see ya. Yeah, but yeah, we had a nice ride. Uh, now your yeah. your youngest son, yep, he's still in high school. He's does a he ride? You're there. Does he ride a lot though? He does. See, he's, that needs to happen more often. Yeah, and I'm so proud of him, right? So, so you know, you send your kid off to school in the car, and you're a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Well, I send my kid off to school on a bike, and I'm a little bit nervous. Yep. So I followed him today. Well, yep. he knew I was there. We rode together. <laughs> But I was checking on him to see if he remembered the, the scene, how to do it, yep. and how to do it safely. And he was right there. And you know what? All, what else? Hmm. He's quick. <laughs> he's getting old. He's going to. He's going to bury the old man. He's so marching band has been really great for strength for both my kids. And so off he went. And I was like, "Hold on, wait. How you? How'd you get so fast?" It's <laughs> pretty cool. So pretty fun. Uh, smart cyclist Michael Christensen. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me. Be back next week. Uh, absolutely. Cool. Great. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Right. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on Saturday, everybody, it's the Step Big for Parkinson's. 9 a.m. registration, 10 a.m. the walk begins. At the Canaries Baseball Stadium, 25 bucks to register. It is a benefit for the Parkinson's Foundation of South Dakota. For more information, go to the events calendar at KSOO.com, where you can find information on this and any event in the greater Sioux Empire area. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we have a city councilor, Pat Starr, for the hour. And we'll have a great conversation with Pat. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I choose my friends, far too well, I'm up on the pavement. And they're all down in the cellar with their government grants. And my IQ, they brought me down to size, academia blue. 406 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we have in studio with us... City Councilor Pat Starr, and I'm very happy to have Pat back on the program. Welcome, sir. Good afternoon. I'm excited. I think we can get into some pretty deep stuff, and maybe we just have a little fun and chat. Yeah, we could just crank up the tunes and just, you know, sort of talk about the old days. Yes, exactly. Now that we're two old guys. <laughs> we, are, we are essentially contemporaries. There very you go. close like in that. age. Um, where are you from? Are you from Sioux Falls originally? Um, I grew up, I was born in Yankton and we spent, uh, six or seven years in Canton between fourth grade and my sophomore year in high school or to the end of my sophomore year. And then I ended up being a graduate of Yankton high school and proud to be a buck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then I send my kids now to O'Gorman, you know, and I tell him all the time he puts that garbage on and, uh, I tell him it's like a dagger in the heart uh, every time I see him in that uh, Gorman wear, and then he's like, deal with it, Dad. So <laughs> that's right. I'm no longer the smartest guy in his life. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, the old uh, O'Gorman-Yankton uh, rivalry is kind of dead, though. I mean, they're no, they don't even play in the same football 
Well, I'm disappointed in uh, my uh, alma mater of uh, not thinking they're good enough to play Sioux Falls schools. Oh. In my day, we took care of that. We didn't have any problem. We settled it. We settled it on the football field, and we go. moved on. Now they have the junior championship on Friday night and the state <laughs> football championships, and that really is too bad. I mean, it, I didn't bring you in here to talk high school sports, but it was unfortunate that they did that. Well, I think it is, too. I think there's a lot of things that are learned. I think it's it, the the travel around the ESD and seeing other things in Sioux Falls. And I think we isolate ourselves sometimes as Sioux Falls people and our kids, especially. They don't have any reason to go to Yankton anymore. Other sports other than football, they do. But getting to see the rest of our state, because there is a big difference between what we do in Sioux Falls and what the rest of the state does. Mm, I see it a lot because I officiate high school basketball. Um, and the differences between going into uh, in O'Gorman or Washington or Christian mm-hmm. versus just going to T or Del Rapids or Baltic to, to work games and just the difference in attitude and people and what's important or what it feels like is important. I didn't know you were a basketball referee. Yeah, I've done it for almost 20 years now. Holy I think cow. I'm on like eight year 18 or 19 i'll have to figure it out the other day so i make all my friends if i don't make them on the city council i sure make them on the basketball court it's not gonna happen at council um so the uh uh uh, how did you end up doing that i mean were you a player is that how you You know what i was a wrestler in high school in fact my uh high school wrestling coach hates me every time he was see me uh reffing on the basketball court Well, that's because there's a there's a long-standing feud between wrestlers and basketball players absolutely and uh you know he's like what are you doing and i just you know what happened was is i had neighbors uh who had kids before my wife and i had kids and i helped coach and do all of that and my wife made one of her wiser uh comments why don't you officiate rather than you don't have to deal with the parents and you just go for the game? Don't you? And it's a shorter <laughs> amount of time. Well, once the game's over, or as soon as you get out of the gym, the problem is when you officiate, especially youth sports, yep. you're there for a while. I mean, if you coach a team, you're going to do three games over the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. between Friday and Saturday. And when I first started, they did a lot of Sunday games too. Um, and you do the three hours and you'd be done and, or you'd have dinner in between games or things Mm -hmm. you officiate now. I mean, there's some weekends I'll do eight or 10 games between Friday night and Saturday doing sixth graders or, um, you know, or I'll go to Freeman on a Tuesday night, which I don't get to do anymore, but a Thursday night maybe, um, and leave at five o'clock and get home at 10 o'clock. And, you know, you just. It, it yeah. does. It, it ends up taking more time, but I enjoy the heck out of it. And you make all that extra money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, we, we, we blew through the whole first segment talking about sports, but we're going to come right back and talk more with Pat Starr, city councilor Pat Starr, about actual city government. How about that? Does that awesome. sound good? That'll be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 416 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we have in the studio Pat Starr, City Councilor Pat Starr, and we we were chatting about high school sports, but we figure we may as well get on to some, I mean, you want to talk about the neighborhood at all, or you want to just, you know? Nah, we okay. better get to what people are, <laughs> are tuning in for. That's what your show is all about, is That's giving right, people absolutely. good information. That's a great, keeping people informed with enlightening, engaging conversation. And me saying something silly that'll get me in trouble later, so yes. let's do it. Uh, it's been a hundred days with the new mayor that was marked yesterday. So I'm going to press her tomorrow to talk about it. How's he doing? I think he's doing excellent. You know, the thing is I can, uh, pick up the phone right now and have a conversation with him or he'll, if he's doing something, he'll call me back in a half hour or we'll, we have, it's night and day difference. And you see it in our city directors and city employees. It's kind of like a, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, a lot of people that, uh, can just, professionals that can do their job without feeling the heavy hand of uh, uh, government coming down on them and worrying about being fired or the saying heavy the hand wrong of thing. government meaning the heavy hand of the former mayor. Now, we talk about Mike Huther a lot, and we have for a long time. Uh, he, he's taken kind of a beating now that he's out of office from, from the administration on some issues, from the council on some issues, from me. Um, Do you think that that's just part and parcel of serving eight years and when you do what you want to do, you're going to make some enemies and piss people off? Or is it, was it just uh, a management style that made people feel afraid? Well, I don't know about afraid as much as I, I, I think it is. It was a management style. It was a different, we're going to get things done. We're going to roll. We don't need a lot of help or information. I know everything so we can move forward. And, you know, and that's not how good government is run. Good government is messy. 
It takes a while. Things don't happen as fast as they should. Government should be different than business. It's not about maximizing profits. We run parks for the our citizens to um, provide the common good and, and, and for our citizens where we shouldn't be spending time, okay, how do we privatize the parks or how do we make more profit or how do we spend less so that we can do other things? And I think it's just a, I, you couldn't be too opposite styles any more than what we had versus what we have now. Um, I mean, I think Mayor Tenhaken is probably as laid back and easygoing and on one end where you had more of a business go, go, go. And again, it's not all bad. I, you know, there were a lot of things that uh, got accomplished during Mayor uh, Huther's term. Um, I would have liked to seen them accomplished in a better way, but I think citizens are always happy when their government's accomplishing things, so... The, That's what you hear from constituents all the time is, yep. you know, his strength was getting things done. In terms of style is one question. Policy is another. Uh, what do you make in terms of the mayor's vision for the city uh, in terms of, uh, what you know, pick something, whether it's parks, whether it's streets, whether it's planning, um, transportation, um, public safety, all the things that go into running a city you can be the nicest guy in the world. You can still not agree with the policies. What do you think so far about what you know about what his vision is for this? City? Well, I think that's the one place that, that, you know, when you elect someone who doesn't have a lot of government experience, that I, th- I think that vision's coming. We've seen some of it as part of the campaign. One of the things that I've been advocating very strongly, as long as uh, as well as several other counselors, is that we don't have a strategic plan of where we're going as a city. Departments have some goals and some things, and we've kind of got to that point. But for a half a billion dollar organization to just kind of be a caretaker and moving things along in each department kind of doing their thing without great vision. Unfortunately, as a council, we've gotten stuck at the 5,000 foot level rather than the 45,000 foot level and saying, here's where we want to be 20 years from now. And to say that that exists, I don't think we have that right now. Isn't that the mayor's job? No. Absolutely you don't not. Think it's not you, you don't think it's the mayor's job to look over the horizon? No. I, I think they have to do that, but that's the council in this form of government's job. And I think we've been probably a little complacent um, as a council of providing that vision and that leadership of where we want to see the city go. In this style of government, that was the, I keep calling them the founders, the, the people that put this plan together in this style of government or this form of government together, really wanted the council to be those dreamers, to provide that vision, that strategic plan of where we go as a community and where we end up. And then they wanted that vision to be relayed to the mayor who's an administrative person and puts it into play. It is a strong mayor form of government. And it's not a city manager. And I, to me, when you talk about that, it sounds more like a city manager. I, the way it's been explained to me and listening to the founders, I think that's there. I think over the years, because you have a full-time mayor who has assumed a strong position, it's difficult for the council to provide some of that leadership because you don't have access to the department heads, the staff. And you've seen the council add staff over the years. You know, we have three people in our internal audit division. We have a legislative assistant assistant, we have a budget analyst, um, you know, and then we have a three full-time city clerks that are under the purview of the council. So we're kind of getting there staff-wise. We, you know, that's the thing about government. Yeah. Yeah, We just growing government creep, right? We're just expanding big government. No, no. (laughs) You know, I'm a big government guy. Why not? We'll toss it out. But what I've been really impressed with is what Dr. Maher has done at the school district. They brought in some consulting help. They put together a strategic plan. They have a long-range goal of where the school board wants to see our school district go. We sometimes agree. We sometimes don't. I'm surprised that we have no interaction with the school board at all. I I can't remember the time. We we have a monthly breakfast uh, that's an inner uh, that we call Breakfast Club where we kind of each entity kind of the counties and the school boards and we kind of get together. But in a in a formal, informal way to get together and chat and say, hey, what are you doing as a school district? What are you doing as a county commission? What are we doing to, to get together? And they, the, we kind of have our own silos put together in that. Um, and I talked about the, with the mayor about this on Monday. Um, you are, uh, by, by default, by definition, 
linked together, you have to work together. Right. We've got some really big capital programs that are going between the school district, the counties putting some things together. And then we have some things that were kind of not priority of the last administration, whether it's a fire training, fire police type mm-hmm. of uh, uh, training facility. Training facility. One of the places I've been really vocal, both with the mayor and through the council, is that if we're going to build a 20 or $25 million training facility, it's going to be for the region. And we're going to get grant money. We're going to get, uh, including from the the feds, it it really disagrees, or I disagree with what our consultants told us. Our consultants said, no, it's only a city facility and we'll allow other people to come and play at other times on our level, rather than including the people in Brandon or Canton or Gerritsen or Mitchell. Because what happens when we have a major catastrophe in Sioux Falls, you look at the building collapse. Mm -hmm. We were backed up by the volunteer fire department from uh, Brandon. Mm -hmm. They had to be here to cover. They need to be as trained as our guys are, as much as volunteers can be so that they have that ability. We are a regional hub and we need to be looking out for the citizens in this entire corner of the state to provide that. To me, that qualifies for federal funding as well as state. It doesn't have to strictly be from the taxpayers of Sioux Falls. We need to be able to share our facilities. We need to be able to pass on the knowledge that we have and gained. Um, and and our fire department goes to Brandon. There was a, a perfect example of it a couple of weeks ago. The chief was talking about a, a, a grain bin uh a rescue that they had to be part of because our firefighters in Sioux Falls are trained for that. The local volunteer people are trained, but not, you know, they're not full-time. Mm-hmm. They have other full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So we have to be there and we have to share that knowledge and we need to work together. We have to quit worrying about what we have versus what they have. And we need to do things that build the region. Are you at all concerned that you talked about the major capital projects? So you've got a school bond issue at $190 million. You've got uh, a wastewater treatment plant estimated at 260. You've got a uh, new jail that's upwards of $50 million or jail expansion. Um, you talked about some of these other capital things, whether it's a f- whether it's the training facility or uh, what have you. Uh, there's a lot of stress on taxpayers for capital projects coming at the same time. What are your concerns about the fact that it is happening at the same time and whether it's too much strain on taxpayers? Will they push back on that? Well, I think taxpayers are, you know, there's a certain amount of you're balancing the amount of services that people expect. You didn't add a $20 million parking ramp in there either no, as part of true. that. And, and uh, as we move forward, I think we're big enough to handle a lot of these projects. I'm a bit, you know, the wastewater treatment plant. Again, do we want people who live in Brandon or Harrisburg or T as they continue to grow or to the West building individual wastewater treatment uh, facilities. I think they have to pay their fair share to be partners, but I think it's the kind of thing that we need to do to work together so that there isn't a bond issue in Harrisburg as they continue to grow. Because guess what? They buy their groceries in Sioux Falls. They mm-hmm. go to the mall in Sioux Falls when they're not buying on Amazon and we can go down that road <laughs> in, a, in a different time. But they're taxpayers of Sioux Falls. Yeah. I, I mean, you live in Brandon, where else do you go? You have a grocery store and a couple of restaurants. But it's all sales tax here. It, it's sales tax and you're taxpayers in Sioux Falls. And I think it's something that we have to do as a region, again, to, to get the best bang for the buck of, of how we do it. I, you know, the counties missed out because they're full on some federal money of prisoners that well, are going to Worthington or, you know, some the of counties, those. Let's just be frank. The counties get screwed by the state. The counties are cheap. They need to stand up and do what uh, they're responsible to do and quit waiting for the state to uh, opt bail out. them out. Yeah. Just opt out. Yeah, they. I mean, that's why they're not going to get the funding from Peer. So don't tell me that you can't do your job and don't have the courage as an elected official to step up and pass the opt out if you need it. That comes from the guy who's flush with cash at a city. <laughs> yeah, that's what they'll say to you. We're going to come right back and talk more with City Councilor Pat Starr right here on the Patrick Lally Show. That's the news and weather up next from Dan Peters on Information One Thousand KSOO. The sky we look so organized. And- 435 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we return to our conversation with a city councilor, Pat Starr, who represents the Northeast District. Northeast District, going around the horn, just for a reminder, it's it's Starr Northeast, Neitzert Northwest, Selberg Southwest, Kylie Southeast, the rest uh, uh, Staley and Christine Erickson 
Am I leaving? Who's am I leaving out? You're leaving out Janet uh, Brecky. Counselor Sale in the Central. Oh, Sale in the Central. <laughs> yes, and then you Janet Brecky. Janet Brecky in the uh, in the other at large. That's just uh, that's your uh, civics lesson for the day. Uh, moving on. Um, let's talk about uh, urban planning a little bit. Uh, I've been talking about this issue all week. You guys talked about it on Tuesday. It was a fascinating debate, by the way, as we watched from Club David. Where we had the Pat Star special, by the way, it was very. I popular. have my own drink. I had my own meme the other day too that I saw uh, about uh, guns and uh, how I was upset that people who uh, leave their cars unlocked yeah. with a weapon under their front seat. So let's stick to planning because <laughs> I love my Second Amendment friends. Um, this issue with the houses, old houses on Dakota uh, between 18th, 19th, and then one on 19th, um, and the issue to demolish them. Now, I have my issues with with whether or not they should be torn down. I, you know, they're, they're in bad shape, but that notwithstanding, um, it was a unanimous vote to put the demolition off. What do you, what should happen here? Cause ultimately it's going to come back. What, what's, what is the issue for you and what should happen? Well, one of the things that, that I've learned about it being on the council is this thought process of highest and best use for a piece of property. The the highest and best use for a piece of property is usually something commercial that's several stories high, th- because it's going to pay the most in property taxes, and it keeps uh, you know things uh, as dense as possible in the core, and that we eliminate that whole idea of urban sprawl. But in this situation, it's one of those where we have to look at historic preservation, preservation areas of the past, and being able to, you know, there's some really cool things in that McKinnon Park area. And um, to be clear, this is not McKinnon Park. No, it is not. Uh, it is not. Real it's estate outside. professionals would always like to expand the definition of McKinnon Park because it adds value. This is not that. No, it is not. And these houses aren't anything, but there's been some of these type houses in McKinnon Park that have either been raised because they've gotten past the point where you can re uh, have them without knocking them down. But mm-hmm. on the other side of it, there's a lot of homes in that area. Um, I was just having a, a little senior moment uh, of remembering the exact district that it was in uh, the historic district. Oh, Sherman. Sherman. And then uh, with the other district that's right next to it all too, Saints. with all saints mm-hmm. and getting that whole area put together. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of that border of Sherman, um, and so if you turn that area of uh, Minnesota Avenue more commercial, mm-hmm. which I think is the overall intent of mm-hmm. the, the applicant Tuesday night um, was their goal to be able to do that, then all of a sudden the houses right across the street that are in the historic district and that boundary shifts and it's like, well, you're right next to commercial, so why wouldn't we expand it another block? And right. before you know it, we're, we're going downhill. I think these homes will be really difficult to probably rehab. I think they'll be expensive to rehab. The applicant uh, had some numbers and I thought they were a little on the high end because what happens for a lot of these historic homes, it's usually a young couple that takes them over and there's a lot of sweat equity and work that goes in themselves. You can't hire full-time contractors and maybe make it um, economically feasible, but a lot of younger people can or older people can come in and do the the demolition, can bring in the professionals to make sure the foundation and electrical and, and that part gets done. Overall, it was my opinion, and I think the rest of the councils, that there wasn't everything done possible to try to rehab these houses, and that we sent them back to take another look at it and say, okay, maybe we need to sell these off individually. I, it's not my job to tell them what to do with but it. But they also clearly didn't. Um, there were things about the process here because it's a historic district that they did not know. Correct. Correct. The applicant said that they didn't realize when they bought the property that they knew it was in a historic district. And it's tough to see that visually. Um, there's a sign at the corner of yeah, 18th and, <laughs> you know, and I would think that you would ask and I, I, I don't ask. know the process. Right. That's, yeah, and the, That's due diligence. And, and depending on who they ask, they may not have gotten good information either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I can't go also, back, but I can. The Board of Historic Preservation here, that's what they're called, right? Yes. All of a sudden has way more power than anybody ever knew. Is that fair to say? Um, I think we gave them even more power the other night by following their recommendation. If you're going to have citizen advisory boards who follow the uh, Park Service uh, Mm -hmm. is who nationally governs um, these type of things, they just follow the recommendations that they're supposed to follow. And, you know, it's like the planning commission. It's like the plumbing board. I mean, we have 42 uh, various citizen commissions. And the planning commission never really says no to anything. 
No, there's a couple that they have, and we sent some things back to them to reconsider and take a look at, and we may be having some more discussion of how they uh, mm-hmm. look at things. Because but, they sent this one up to you. Yes, but there was, I believe on this one, a dissenting vote, there or one a, of the there, other ones. Was this unanimous? I'm no, trying to remember. there was a dissenting vote. It yeah, was and I think uh, they, Paulson, who... Yes, yes Mr. John Paulson, Paulson yep. uh, did uh, pointed out some things where it was. I, I guess if you're going to have advisory boards and then you don't follow their recommendations, but it wasn't just the local historic preservation board, it was also the state historic board came in and took a look at these properties and, and, and this situation and said um, that they need to be, there needs to be more effort made to try to preserve them. I'm not seeing it, but, and I, I like historic preservation. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing it. Now, I could be wrong, but there are a lot of houses, and I keep saying this, there are a lot of houses around there that have been getting rehabbed wonderfully. People are doing wonderful work in that neighborhood to to rehab old houses, and I love it. Nobody picked any of these houses to rehab. Um, because from my understanding, they've never been available on the market to uh, be rehabbed. Okay. They wanted to be sold as a as a block, the former owner. And, and again, there's something to be said about property rights, mm-hmm. and he can choose to sell however you know they choose mm-hmm. fit. But the standard that comes from the Historic Preservation Board and the National Park Service is that there, every attempt had to be made. And they didn't show us in this quasi-judicial, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that they had made every attempt to try to preserve these properties. And it, it was the opposite. And I don't think the current applicant was probably as guilty as previous owners of these properties where there was just a, we're going to board them up, let people squat in them. And, and I mean, it just wasn't- yeah, if you board the, them up and take care of them- or right. let them deteriorate. Let them deteriorate. They're, they're of course, not going to be saleable. And I think that was the overall goal at one point with different owners was the feeling that I got. I don't have a lot of proof. I can only go by what was told to me uh, Tuesday night. And my feeling was is that there wasn't enough there wasn't enough effort made to try to preserve them. And maybe they make a second run at coming back and saying, hey, they're not there. Or they go back and try to convince the Historic uh, Preservation Board again. Isn't it kind of weird that you have parts of town where you can um, tear down a house that may be just as old and have the same woodwork inside, have the same architecture on the outside, and you can tear that house down. But if you're two blocks over, you live by a completely different standard. There's the silence, but I... I (laughs) I, I can't disagree with you. And what do we what do we value as a community is where I keep going back. And I think our history has to be part of that. Absolutely. We, we heard from some people Tuesday night that, that did rehab some of these houses. Mm-hmm. Our mayor of Main Street, uh, George Hamilton, did an excellent job he of was, being very passionate about of what he's done. But he's done some incredible work um, and be able to make a profit at doing some mm-hmm. of that incredible work. There was a young person, a younger person who uh, came in and talked about her and her husband uh, rehabbing an older home in that area. I think mm-hmm. it was closer to McKinnon Park. And that's why I used that example earlier. But as you continue to do that. So I think that one of the things is that it is in an area. What surprised me is that it was in an area that it's only been since 2012 that this has been a historic district. Yeah. That really, I I thought it had been longer than that. I didn't have any idea. So that did kind of balance in what you're saying. Sherman's a new one. People don't even know what it is. But we're going to come right back and talk more with City Councilor Pat Starr right after this short message. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. K-S-O-O. The clouds will blow away. 448 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are chatting here with City Councilor Pat Starr, and we've hit uh, some of the big topics, development, uh, what else did we talk about? Sports. Sports, yeah, that's inf- <laughs> that's very important. Um uh, let's do a little lightning round issue. Uh baseball yeah. stadium. Is this just a flight of fancy? Um, you know what? I, I think there's, uh, Mr. Hurlbert uh, did a nice job uh, keeping it uh, fresh with everyone. I think there's support, supporters of downtown. I think one of the things that we talked about earlier is a lot of large capital projects. I don't see a lot of people lining up for the public to put 20 to $25 million into a downtown baseball stadium. I'd have a hard time justifying that with the other things that are going on in our community that have to happen first to do those basic services of government. I'm excited to hear, you know, I heard it earlier today that there are some private individuals that are willing to step up and maybe do take us a long ways into the baseball process. And maybe that's 
what it's well I, I know that's what it's going to take to make it happen in the near future oh absolutely and that's what tom was talking about yes you have to change the way you think about how you pay for it right but i i I kind of started this debate because I've been watching us put hundreds of thousands of dollars into the current baseball stadium, and mm-hmm. is that the best use? No. Don't keep putting, mo- ba- you know, good money or good, good money after bad after bad. And we're gonna we're budgeting in our 2019 budget almost four hundred and sixty thousand dollars just to fix trip and fall hazards and caulking and yeah. trying to keep the place going. Which again, it takes that. To me, a higher and better use of that piece of property is going to eventually be another hotel slash parking or whatever it takes to make that complex continue to... It'll be parking. Unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately, because we're going to all drive our cars there, so I know how you feel. let's be serious, though, and this is uh, uh, something that uh, I've been talking about. Chuck Marone from Strong Towns, I'm trying to get him on the show to talk about these issues. Uh, He was pointing out the other day that it's, it's never been the case that you build a stadium and then development comes around it. No, and I think there has to be, it was what I was talking about earlier when we say we have to have a strategic plan, that we have to do things to encourage things. And just, I can't believe I'm going to say this, just building a $115 million stadium mm-hmm. isn't enough to, to do it. And is that our overall goal of where we want to go as a city and what's important to us, our, to our citizens and to our future? What are we going to be talking about 20 and 30 years ago? And just having a, a large uh uh, entertainment facility isn't where I want to be 30 years from no, now. No, but we needed it. There's no question. The debate was never really whether we needed the event no, center. No, and I think the, the debate got handled when we decided to build a convention center out there. That's I would have rather seen it downtown, but once we put the con- once we made the decision as a community to put the convention center out there, we had to put the event center next to it because to bring in large things. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a, a big believer we got to be hitting more singles and doubles, to use the sports analogy, mm-hmm. rather than looking for the home run pheasant fest. And I think the Convention and Visitors Bureau does a good job of that. It's pretty busy. Convention it, center's pretty busy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there aren't a lot of days where it's just sitting there empty. No, and they've, they're having a good year. I mean, they're going to bring in some decent numbers by the end of the year that they've been able to do that. But we've also, again, as a community, invested in hundreds of thousands of dollars of kitchen equipment. And I think the last mm-hmm. one was a million plus of so that they can provide better food, better quality food, um, continue to do the things that people want to see. But we have to balance that with, you know, the, the private sector as well are doing it. We have a lot of hotel properties in town where we can have different meetings and things. And I think there's enough business out there where they don't have to compete with each other and they can come together and work on different events. One of the things I heard about earlier today that was awesome was the parks department worked with a group that was at the Ramcota and they wanted to use some parks for one of the evenings and it just happened to be First Friday. Mm. So the parks department was able to work with downtown Sioux Falls and do First Friday events at Aetherin Railroad. They were able to feed the people here that were part of that group in uh, fall in the north part of falls park get them trolleyed over to be part of uh the other things and so working together those partnerships are the where we're going to be successful so let's keep up on the lightning round otherwise we'll fall behind yeah you just smoked right through that here's one are we going to see the huey building land issue back there the va- vacating that land is that going to come back yes and do you think it'll be a different outcome um, you know, the mayor earlier this week on this show said, yes, <laughs> that's what, uh, that's at least it starts say. a discussion. I mean, I, I, I don't see why we buy property or hold on. I mean, the reverse of this, if you looked at it, would we buy this tr- as a city? Would we buy this triangle of land to protect access to another piece of property? And I, I guess you could say we buy land for alleys and require those things as part of it, but I see it as surplus. I'm not sure I see selling it. There seems to be a, there's a solution here. Has to be. Uh, and I'm hoping both sides work it out. That's the best part of my gig is that things get a little controversy. <laughs> yeah. You go work it out. And if we work it out for you, you're not going to like it. <laughs> That's right. You don't want me doing this. Have you ever seen so many uh, private lawyers at any one given council meeting in your life? No, but I think that's what happens when you uh, have an office building for a, full of lawyers who are worried about the view out their office window. <laughs> They may not have been on somebody's time, but they were on their own. They want to be able to see the big Sioux. Oh, my. Uh, City Councilor Pat Starr, he represents the northeast part of town, but that never matters once you walk into the council chambers. It's every man and woman for themselves. Uh, Pat, thank you very much for coming in, and I look forward to the next time. Absolutely. Let's do it sooner next time. Awesome. Coming up, we'll tell you what's going to be on the show tomorrow here in the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Big weekend coming up on Saturday, the McCrossin Extreme Event Challenge Rodeo, 530 at the McCrossin's Boys Ranch, featuring barrel racing, mutton busting, and the Northern Bull Riding Tour. All proceeds benefit programs for at-risk youth at McCrossin's Boys Ranch. That's going to be a huge event out there on Saturday. For more information on that or any other event, go to the calendar at KSOO.com. Now, here's the exciting news, people. On the show tomorrow, the dean of Sioux Falls Talk Radio, the former mayor, the chancellor of Viewpoint University, Rick Noby, returns to the airwaves. It's going to be great to have Rick back. Also, the Buffalo Maiden is our weird friend of the day. We will talk to you tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.